The audio podcast edition of Farlands or Bust is made possible by support from fans on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash Mac to keep this series commercial free. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kurt, and welcome back to Farlands or Bust. There it is, episode 688 of the series. Yeah, well, we were all waiting for you, sitting here in silence, making me look look like a fool. Get get slid about <laughs> on the ice, Wolfie. Indeed, in D. Oh man, look at this full inventory. It's full. Let's uh, secure the hidey hole from the last episode. Throw some of those blocks. Uh, oh, it didn't go down into the hole. What else can we throw that might go into the hole? Hey, Wolfie. No. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's grab Wolfie and continue. That's the sun west towards the far lands here in Minecraft Beta 173 for episode 688 of the series for Saturday. May 19th, 2018. Dang it, it's doing the thing again. I wonder, it's because I'm streaming. Streaming and uh, recording at the same time here. I keep getting that, that frame hitch up. It's a new thing, Wolfie. Uh, hold on. I'm probably going to forget to edit this out like I did the last time. See? Totally remembered to edit that out. Totally didn't forget. Whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, let's use a boat here as we continue to the far lands and continue rate whoa continue raising money for direct relief at farlandsorbus.com did i mention it's saturday may 19th 2018 when this episode is coming out yes good uh $15,286.51 that's what you owe me right now hand it over no uh that's how much we've raised or child's play. Oh, for direct relief. That's the first time I did that. That's the first time I did that this entire season. Uh, this entire half of the season. <laughs> Since we started doing it for direct relief. It's, it's it just... I'm so distracted by also streaming. And also dealing with the, the weird frame hitching and surfing on my boat, as I do. That uh, we... We we misspoke. We did raise, we have raised over $400,000 for Child's Play Charity in the past, but this season we're raising money for direct relief over at farlandsorbus.com. Another great charity on top of the uh, Charity Navigator ratings lists. Be sure to check them out to learn more about direct relief, but also donate through farlandsorbus.com. Oh, I forgot to do the thing that I said I would do in the last episode is to put the uh, milestone for building the Saturn V rocket Lego, uh, which I am going to set at 25,000 at the 50% mark towards our goal. So, yeah, <laughs> don't forget to edit, right? And set the 50% goal. No? Yes? Okay. I'm talking to a dog. So yeah, thank you everybody who continues to donate to Direct Relief. 
getting us towards our $50,000 goal this season. Much appreciated. And uh, those fine Farlanders who have donated usually also include a question with their donation. That gives me things to talk about. <laughs> that gives me things to talk about indeed as we continue on here. Um, oh, yeah, that's what I can mention. I have my to-do list to my left here. And I wrote down and scratched out finding insurance for the 77 Corolla. Guess I have to unscratch that out again because that's still a work in progress. It, uh, I figured, I figured incorrectly, obviously, that in the state of Washington, if a car, I think it's 30 years, it could be 25 years. If a car is older than 25 years, let's say, and and you have at the same household registered a, a normal daily driver car, you can register the 25 plus year old car as a collector vehicle. And then you get collector plates, which don't require sticker renewals every year. Affordable? Yes. And much more sensible because this isn't a car I'm driving everywhere, like my Subaru. I thought and figured since I got those collector plates that I would also reap the benefits of getting collector car or antique car insurance, which along the same lines has restrictions relating to the amount you can use the car and the fact that you have to have another car, uh, you know, less miles, you know, only, only, you should only drive it to, to and from car shows and club events or uh, for testing purposes. Or one of the stipulations, at least in the state of Washington, every state's different, one of the stipulations is for the pleasure of others without compensation. <laughs> so I'm sorry, my friends. I can't charge for joyrides. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So I figured, oh, with the antique plates, I could get the antique insurance. Apparently, the fine folks over at State Farm, while my in agent, my the, the private agent that I get my insurance through, is like trying, is what's like, yeah, we'll do this, blah, 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 here's blah, 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 this is how we do the insurance, I've done this before, the collector's insurance, and this is how much it'll be, like, $300 less every six months than, than what a normal car's insurance would be. The, the, the head honchos, the underwriters at the State Farm headquarters are coming back and, and saying, no, no. <laughs> Even though it is over 25 years old, even though you do have a second car that's a daily driver already insured with us, we can't insure this as a collector vehicle because it's not collectible. It is not historically significant. A 1977 Toyota Corolla, while yes, I agree <laughs> that it is it is certainly no 57 Bel Air or, or anything like that. It's 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 a bit of a, a trouble. <laughs> it's if and and you know they oh well you'll have to insure it as a as a normal car, and the price of that ends up being like one fifth the price I paid for the entire car, and this is this is with and without 
liability. So I was like, okay, what if we just do liability? And it's like, oh, that'll just be $40 less. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Much appreciated. So that's annoying. The My agent is still apparently trying to plead my case for me and is saying things like, well, if you send, like, because as part of the collector insurance, you send pictures so you can claim the condition it's in. And, and they're all like, well, it should be in, like, collectible condition, like mint condition. Like, the engine bay is all dirty and sooty. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a 40-year-old engine bay. They're like, well, if you, like, if you're able to, like, clean up the engine bay and make it look nicer and send a picture of that, that'll, like, show. Like, I, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that, true. But at what point am I literally spinning my wheels? So long story short, I'm I'm shopping for insurance for all of my vehicles, <laughs> since uh, actually my Subaru is actually up for renewal next month anyway. So I will be the one who has the last laugh, unless of course I go to other insurance companies and they give me the same rigmarole about the not a classic car, classic car. <sighs> so yeah, this is one of those things I, I just glanced over. I'm like, what is, what's, what's the daily anecdote? I glanced at my to-do list and on there is renew my passport, look into getting a P.O. box, uh, look into dog training for Juno, and then also look into getting her fractured tooth pulled. It was fractured when I adopted her and the vet recommended, even though there's no signs of any, like, trauma or abscess or anything like that, just to take care of it to prevent that in the future, but I've kind of sat on that for probably longer than I should have. That's also very expensive. <laughs> That's more expensive than the insurance is. Um, and yeah, the, the, the last thing on the list, Corolla insurance. Checkmark, did it, got that taken care of. Screech! Nope. No soup for you. No insurance for you. So yeah, also one of those things is the, the Patreon postcards. Got new Patreon postcards. Started sending those out, uh, but I still gotta print out all the labels and get a bunch of new stamps. So some people have, a handful of, of people, long-term uh, patrons, I threw that instead of putting it in my inventory, uh, have gotten perhaps some of the new Patreon postcards. Others will be in, in the mail with a, an, a, a near estimated time of arrival, ETA. That, that's, yes, we know acronyms. Let's go to sleep and continue in the morning. And awakeness. And awakeness indeed. Yeah, it does seem weird. Sorry, I'm glancing over at chat. Did I mention that I'm recording this on Twitch? I'm recording this on Twitch, for those of you who aren't aware. Uh, yeah, it is. It's very weird. Because I valued the car at the cost I paid for it. Um, and the only reason I opted for the full coverage is because the quote I was given by my agent was like, oh, it's going to be like 90 bucks for... Just the, you know, the legal liability coverage or $97 for the full coverage. I'm like, oh, well, might as well go for the full coverage. And if, if it, uh, you know, it, if I wreck it or whatever, I'm not going to put a claim on it. The deductible will be more than the car's worth. But 
if it gets stolen or, you know, a tree falls on it or the house burns down, at least I don't... Or the house burns down, I think I'll have more things to worry about if the house burns down. You know what I mean. If if it if it gets washed away in, in the volcanic ashes of Mount Rainier, at least I won't be completely out my purchase price. But, uh, but yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, it's weird. And even, you know, people have said, oh, and even Cone suggested, and I got some suggestions on Twitter. Oh, look into uh, to Haggerty. They have their own classic car specific insurance. And, uh, I did, and I went through their little thing, and I went, I had, I put in all the information and, and what type of car, and, uh, Blah, 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 the value and like a whole rigmarole of forms and enter this and that and that. And then when I submit the form to uh, get my quote, it sent me back to like the second question. What was your car value again? And then it says in parentheses, car value must be a minimum of $30,000. Like $30,000? <laughs> I don't think I'm ever in my entire life going to own a classic car that's worth $30,000. My daily driver isn't $30,000. So that ain't gonna work. <laughs> that is, uh, that's ten times more than what we're looking at for the Corolla. But anyway, I digress. These are, these are not imminent problems because it's currently doesn't have anything in the dash because I'm trying to install the tachometer so it's not being driven. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to liability myself against anything. Yeah, Corollas. Everybody, all the all the uh, the people who wanted to buy a, a Datsun S30, uh, you know, a 240Z, are, have all been priced out of the market. So now they're looking at Corollas, and that price is going to jump through the roof. <laughs> yes, that's it. You all didn't know. I'm just I'm just expertly speculating on the market. Call me Spectacles McGee. <laughs> Speculation. Power right in the spectacles. <laughs> Ah, uh, anyway, let's answer some questions from donors to Direct Relief, shall we? F.P. Becker here asks, How do you handle Windows updates? Do you? This is a multiple choice I get. Do you A. Install them proactively as they come out on Patch Tuesday, i.e. the second Tuesday of the month? B. Wait for Windows 10 to nag you to restart. Or C, disable Windows updates altogether. Or D, all of the above. No, uh, despite it being a bad idea. Well, I don't know what version of Windows 10 you have installed, but you can't change. Like, you have, like, with Windows 10, you have to, there's no way to disable them. You, you accept the updates. <laughs> At least, at least in Windows 10 Home. I don't have professional or anything like that. You accept your updates and you get on with your life. Unless they change something. I don't know, I just let them happen. I don't, I don't, I'm not like doing any of the, the nightly builds or the Tuesday builds or the, the alpha previews or whatever. I just, uh... I just let them happen. And then I usually, you know, if, if one's updates are available, I just, you know, please restart. I just wait until the next time and I just shut down the computer at night or whatever and then it installs them. 
Uh, my other, you know, Windows 7 machine, pretty much the same. I only enable the important updates or whatever, because I don't need it installing printer drivers and stuff that it wants to try to install or language hacks. But yeah, I mean, I usually do keep my computers up and running for, you know, overnight, because that's when my backup, offline backup stuff runs. But, uh, you know, there's normally a time where I'm like, well, it's, it's been about a week I can shut down, and that's when all the updates do. And then that's when all the updates do. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I mean, aside from... What, what what was happening? What it was like Windows 7 was automatically like updating you to Windows 10. Was that it that was happening to people? Yeah, that I that I resisted for a while. What is this what is this shutting down a PC every night thing? It honestly, I probably used would did it more because I, I know that the uh I don't know why I was just nervous about the water cooler pump constantly running for no reason. But now that now that I don't have the water cooler, I can just let let the winds blow free. I mean, you save power, I guess. Electricity, if your electric bill is something you're concerned about. But no, most of the time I leave it up because that's when all my backup stuff happens. That that was a unique question. I don't think anybody asked that. I don't know. I don't know what is important about my answer or interesting, but thank you very much for the donation in question. Dravir asks, why did you switch to the 24-hour format? When will you switch to the metric system as well? Well, good news, Dravir. I switched back. <laughs> uh, I was talking to Stream a while ago about how... I think I mentioned it in the Far Lands bus, too. How I, uh, my, my daily schedule is all influenced by my upbringing and, and my family. You know, ooh, you gotta eat dinner at like between six and seven and lunches at noon and gotta be done with work by five. You know, it, it, it was very rigidly based on a schedule that was just habit and was in no way actually helpful to my current life. He figures out some 35 years later. Uh, so I decided, you know what? To get that all out of my system, I'll switch to the 24-hour format on my, on, my, on my computers and on my phone and stuff. That way, if it's 18 o'clock, I won't know what that means. And I'll not, and I'll not be beholden, behest, be be speckled. <laughs> I will not be uh, restrained by my 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 previous habits of how a day should progress. Uh, but then it turns out that it was just really confusing to know what time it was, <laughs> is all that really did. And as I've mentioned before in Far Lands of Bust, I'm not very good at math. Simple math. Math in my head. So even though, yes, I know you can subtract two and then that's the time. Uh, doing that was just too much of a strain, and then I started questioning it, what time it was in my head all the time. So I just I gave up, <laughs> and I said no. Uh, switch switching this back. 
Because even if people like ask me what time it is, I would be like, hold on a minute. I need to get out a pen and paper and start counting my invisible constellations on numbers to figure out what time it actually is. So yeah, I went I went back and I and I I'm probably back trying to fight my old habits. Cause even like today, I'm, I started streaming at what, like four or something like that? I'm like, it's too late to stream. I gotta eat at six, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even yesterday, I, I, it was about seven and the majority of my day was spent disassembling the gauge cluster of a 77 Corolla. I'd eaten dinner and it was like 7 p.m. and I'm like, well, I guess I'm not streaming today. But then I was saved. Saved! By uh, Good and friends invited me to play some PUBG. Uh, so I streamed that until midnight, which I don't know. I'm still unsure about the late night streaming. It's still, I feel tired. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, but then again, I'm really bad at morning or early day afternoon streaming too. Maybe, yeah, it's it's very difficult thing to try to just like there's no reset button. There's no reset button on life. Put that on a t-shirt and, and sell it. $32 son on, on on the internet. Uh so yeah, that's why I switched and that's why I switched back. So now we're right back to where we began. And awakeness. Whoa, I knew that was gonna hurt, although it didn't hurt. It only hurt my boots. <laughs> it only hurt my boots. Chris asks, what was the best gluten-free food you ever had that normally contains gluten? Thanks for the content. Thank you for the donation to Direct Leaf and the question. We've gotten similar questions to this. And I never know how to answer it. <laughs> um, you know, I recently found, if I can not answer the question at all, gluten-free pizza is is hard to find. Udi's is kind of the big brand that makes all gluten-free everything. That's where I get my bread and stuff. Even though they switched the bread size and mixture and I hate it. Uh, but also their pizzas. Uh, I get like the Supreme Pizza. They pretty much just have cheese, pepperoni, and Supreme. I just get the Supreme Pizzas. And they're little individual sized pizzas. I was shopping the other day and I found DiGiorno. A DiGiorno, which I'm pretty sure I had a Twitter interaction with saying, hey, if you guys start making gluten-free pizzas, I'll buy them. DiGiorno has a gluten-free thin crust pizza, although I'm not sure for how long I've been missing it because they do not advertise it as such. It's not like on the front, gluten-free, it's not anywhere except on the back in kind of a tiny little small font that says made with all gluten-free ingredients. And sure enough, it's a it's a rice flour, corn flour uh, crust. They just, it's just marketed as their, ooh, I need wood planks as a extra crispy thin crust pizza. 
and I'm I'm trying to decide if that's if that if the fact that they're kind of hiding that it's gluten free is is completely an, an annoyance for those who, who want to find gluten free foods, or is is completely genius for the fact that if they don't advertise that it's gluten free, then then the non gluten free normals will just think it's an extra crispy thin crust pizza and they will buy it. Thus, thus expanding the customer base, bringing the price down, and making it more widely available. Then I'm, I'm sure there are people, I'm sure there are people, you know who you are, who avoid buying items labeled prominently as gluten-free because they're like, oh, that must taste like crap. I'm not gluten-free. I'm not a hippie. Oh, I just made a stick. You know, while we're here, uh, while we're here, I don't have any feathers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. So yeah, that uh, that might be interesting. It's it's to stop putting it in the special aisle. We'll see. Even the uh, the the Udi's is is in the normal pizza aisle uh, that I've found. Although not at Target, I guess. At Target, it's not. There is a frozen gluten-free section. Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that, that, I guess, goes along with the same thing, is if it doesn't end up in the gluten-free section, then people just browsing the normal pizzas will see it. It's bigger. It's like a more normal size pizza than, like, the individual pizza. I still eat the whole thing at once. It's a supreme pizza. There was also, like, a four-cheese one as well. Um, and it's it's actually, the price is... I don't want to say it's cheaper. It's certainly not that other. What, what's the tombstone pizzas are like three bucks a pop. <laughs> it's certainly not that affordable. Ooh, look at this. But uh, it's it's not. You know, some of the like I think it's Freshetta or somebody has a gluten free variety of their pizza and it's like ten bucks, and it's just a normal thin crust cheese pizza. And I'm like, Ugh, it doesn't doesn't taste very good either. I don't like their sauce. Their sauce is not the boss. Ooh, skeleton spawner. Dangerous. So yeah. It it I will purchase it again. And hopefully their little scheme plays out properly. And it it remains on the grocery store aisles. What do we got? Oh, got some some iron. Some wheat. Speaking of gluten. What do we got? Focus. Iron. Why am I carrying around this bread? Get it out of here. That's why my inventory is so full. Bread! Bread! Oof. And sand! Sand! Okay, well. That was a thing we did, isn't it? A little bit disappointing. This one's we. Oh, I guess, is this... There's no... Oh, there it is. I guess this is the cave, but the cave... Also got filled in, because don't these need to, like, they're required to spawn with air? Just so that, like, there isn't a dungeon that's completely encased and entombed in rock? So, because, uh, yeah, they're normally connected to, like, a cave system or something like that. But this one just looks like it's spawned under the sand and then the sand collapsed. I don't, I don't know the rules of this game. 
So yeah, uh, but the best gluten-free food that normally has gluten, I, I still have. I've searched far and wide, like three stores, for the Ben and Jerry's gluten-free cookie dough ice cream, and I have not found it ever. So that's made me sad. And then I just end up getting a big tub of mint chocolate chip and eating it all. Uh, God, no, I don't... uh, I mean, there's some restaurants in the Seattle area, uh, you know, in many cities, that are dedicated gluten-free businesses. And I've had... Like, there's the one in Seattle I've mentioned many times before I even lived here. Uh, It's a cider house. But they... They make uh, fish and chips, which is not normally anything ever that you're able to to eat gluten-free from a restaurant. And I remember those like being like, oh, that's probably the last time I've had fish and chips, too. Uh, but I just remember it having been a very long time since I've had fish and chips. And perhaps that was it, because that was just making me feel good about it. But that that was those were some very good fish and chips. Yeah, no, I don't, I can't, because it's just, it's kind of normal. (laughs) I've had some good gluten-free pancakes at restaurants or even just at home made for me. I've had some good gluten-free burgers where the burger bun is gluten, you know. It's, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't pin it down. It doesn't, it really hasn't changed my diet much other than it costs a bit more. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't swimming in, in in vats of sourdough bread prior to becoming gluten-free, so it really didn't affect me perhaps as much as, say, like going vegan or, or whatever, or dairy-free might might change. Bisquick gluten-free pancake mix is the best. I'd been making that wrong, <laughs> pretty much. Because I also try to avoid a little bit of dairy. Other than, like, cheese and stuff. But, like, I honestly haven't, like, had real milk since since a, since a wee child. So I had been making my pancake mix and particularly gluten-free pancake mix with almond milk, just because that's what I have on me. Careful, Wolfie. And I always thought it was the gluten-free that kind of made the pancakes not come out that great. But recently, we made gluten-free pancakes with with real milk, but real, real milk. I always also used to get 2% milk, just because, again, speaking of habits picking up from, from growing up, you know, in your home with with parents and, and family and things. We always just got two percent milk. Like I just thought that was the most normal thing in the world. Two percent milk is is the way to go. And and whenever I heard anybody talk about skim milk, I was like, ooh, gross. And similarly, whole milk. I'm like, ooh, what is that's just like a block of cheese, isn't it? But we made it with whole milk. Whole milk. And that stuff is t h i c c thick. And it makes great pancakes. Gluten-free, even. Gluten-free pancakes with whole milk. 
that worked out great. So yeah, recently, if you want to ask me of the last two months, I had gluten-free pancakes made at home and they were good. And we ate very many of them. <laughs> I think I think each like it calls like, oh, for one one batch you have like one egg and this, you know, like this this will make up to 14 pancakes. Uh, we made two batches and each ate one. <laughs> it's probably like 3,000 calories worth of pancakes each. Good times. Good times indeed. Let's do that. So we're building into the side of here. Woof. Let's see. Oh, no, 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 where are you going? Oh, hello. <laughs> How convenient, I... Ooh. That, that torch is not attached. The torch is not attached. Woof. Uh, so yeah. Thank you everybody for these questions. As, as widely varied... Varied? Varied? Varied as they were. Farlandsbus.com is where you can keep donating to direct relief. Oh, this isn't gonna work at all, honestly. I gotta go one one more in. Darkness. Lightness. Let's make this a full size. End of the episode hidey hole. Look at how symmetrical this all is. Yeah, farlinesabus.com. Donate to Direct Relief. Ask some questions. I'm running out. I'm running out. What, I got like three left here after those? Yeah, I only got three left. So you'll sure to be included in at least the next episode if you get your question in. With 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 haste. And I do appreciate that support. I'll also forget to update the goals for including the halfway milestone goal as well as I'll forget to edit out the beginning of this episode where I had to pause to close Chrome and Discord. I'm a professional! Oh, I saw, whoa! What did I start on fire? Wolfie, are you alright? Yeah, I guess we're fine. <laughs> so wing and a miss, I guess, is what that was. <laughs> Meanwhile, the entire forest above me is burning to the ground. All right, let's put this away. That's just dangerous. Indeed. Thank you so much for watching. My name is Kurt. I will see you next time. I don't need to liability myself against anything. <laughs>